Welcome to Bible Studies for Life Adult Podcast. This is Lynn Pryor, and with me here podcasting is Chris Johnson. Chris, glad to be with you again today. Hey, man, I'm looking out my window, and it's a beautiful day in Middle Tennessee, So it's, um, but it's good to talk to you and, and looking forward to today. That's right, uh, and we have joining us today is Darren Clark. Uh, Darren, thanks for joining us for this podcast. Hey, hey. It's good to be here. <laughs> Darren <laughs> serves as the graphic design specialist for our uh, ongoing curriculum, uh, but he, he works in particular with Bible Studies for Life. Uh, he works on our young adult resources, and uh, Darren's always got a, a, a good creative look at things. And what I value about Darren, we'll talk about some of his creative work in a bit, but what I do value is he doesn't just think about the uh, this picture will work he really looks at the text looks at the scripture looks at where we're taking the studies and i think what he does graphically just really helps enhance bible study wow oh, you need to know darren that that lynn is in a very gracious uh, frame of mind these days he's complimenting i'm loving it yeah, yeah me a, few, too. a few weeks ago i complimented chris and now boy i just uh, this is going to become a habit. Well, you did oh, that for man. Brian uh, recently. So, uh, yeah, it's good for you. Yeah, my wife's going to be expecting it, too. Uh, <laughs> and dog and your kids. Yeah. Hey, so we are in the uh, middle of a study called The Church That God Desires, and it is taking a look at the seven churches mentioned uh, mm -hmm. specifically in the book of Revelation, Revelation 2 and 3, uh, Jesus himself personally speaks directly to seven churches. And so we are talking today about the church at Sardis. And I'm sure everyone knows all about Sardis, but we're going to talk a little bit about that. But our, our, our topic today is re remaining vigilant, being vigilant um, against complacency. And uh, our author did a great job talking about uh the dynamic, the reality that we are easily distracted. <laughs> I know I'm looking out my window and I see birds and I see things that need to be trimmed. And while I'm, while I'm trying to talk about these things, uh, Darren, are you, 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 are you easily distracted? Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, it's, I mean, I can't, I think of my boys because, you know, we got boys and, and I, I usually want to say, well, yeah, the kids these days are like so distracted, like they're on their phones and they, they can't focus, they can't have conversations because, you know, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. And it's like, wait a second, I'm kind of the same way too. It's like, I, I get a little ADD where I'm like, you know, I, it's hard for me to like, cause I, you know, you get so used to, you know, just you, get, you do get kind of influenced by the world around you. And it's like this busyness keeping up and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, and I have to catch myself a lot of times to really, you know, try to create some habits and things to try to, you know, you know, remain and gain focus when, you know, when I need to, but I, I find myself very often, you know, falling in that category, but I, but I like to put my finger to my boys. I was like, you young kids. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you said, and if I heard you correctly, you are a little ADD and I have to tell you, I've worked in the same uh, set of cubicles where you are and uh, I've I have heard loud music playing <laughs> and, and ha seeing all kinds of activities while you're working so a little ADT may, ADT may be uh, uh, maybe hey. very gracious to yourself <laughs> that's great all right, so we're going to be looking at the Church of Sardis uh, for this Bible study, and as Chris has pointed out, we're kind of going to, 
we're attacking the issue of complacency. That's the issue in our lives that we need to make sure is not there, but we're going to see that in the church of, of in Sardis. And what's interesting, I think about it, the city, uh, look at what Jesus says to the church. I think it's reflected in the city because here's a city. Let me just uh, describe this to you. Sardis sat on a really high pl- plateau. All right. And so it was, it was sitting high up but because of where it was sitting high up. They thought they were, uh, no one could conquer them. They were impregnable. Uh, but that was not the case. They were just complacent. They thought, oh, we're fine. Yet they, their, their confidence was misplaced, and they were attacked multiple times. Even when it came back to time to rebuilding, they never really kind of came back and fully rebuilt. It's sort of like, well, we can talk ADHD for a minute there. It's like they got started on it, but, yeah, they'll come back to it maybe later. They just were complacent. And what the, uh, Jesus is writing in this letter, he's, he's attacking that complacency in the church. So let's just keep that in mind how Sardis was and think in terms of how that's going to speak to us as well, guarding against our own complacency. All right. Let me so just you jump, jump in into the passage. Yeah, let's jump into the passage. This is Revelation chapter three, verse one. Uh, let me I'm going to read the passage and guys, I'm just going to turn it over to you and let you guys wax eloquently. All right. Write to the angel of the church in Sardis. Thus says the one who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Be alert and strengthen what remains, which is about to die. For I have not found your works complete before my God. So Darren, you mentioned to us in our, uh, our, our pre conversation uh, for this study that uh, you have been reading through uh, the book of Revelation with, with your kids as part of your devotional time. So I want you to talk some in just a moment about some of the um, imagery that we see uh, in this passage, but all throughout Revelation and some of the reaction that your, that your kids have had uh, to that. But I want to point out that, that, that there's this pattern throughout the um, Revelation 2 and 3, where Jesus is speaking, and typically he will commend the people. He'll say something positive about them, and then he'll say, he may say, hey, but here's something you need to work on, and there's a rebuke or a correction and a, a call to repentance. But in this passage, he goes right to the, I have this against you. You think you're, um, you, you act like, and you think that you're alive, but you're really dead. So just out of the gate, Jesus is talking to them about uh, a, a rebuke, something that needs to be corrected immediately in the church without a lot of flowery, positive things to say about them. So just, I want to keep that, um, that thread of the pattern of positive, negative, and just point sure. out that Sardis is one of those places where Jesus says, Hey, you know, I got this against you. You think you're alive, but you're dead. The thing that is set out the most, like in our conversations and, you know, and, you know, we have dinner and then we'll, we'll read, do our readings. We, we would read, you know, like say one chapter of Revelation, uh, you know, per night and to, to hear Jesus's words as direct as they are has been, you know, I, I wouldn't, I mean, I'm not going to say they've been eye opening to our kids because, you know, we're direct like this with them. Um, and, and because we tend to be a very open family and talk about a lot of things, um, and, and I think that's conditioned them to like not be surprised by like what Jesus is saying and how, like you said, how abruptly he just cuts right to the chase. Um, 
but I think it, it did paint a picture um, more vividly of who Jesus is. Um, because, for example, I think a lot of people say, you know, you know, Jesus is for you. He's not against you. And he's like, you know, I hear people a lot of times trying to be very encouraging and, you know, and there's all, you know, this, all the love side of God and Jesus. And it's like, but wait a second, you know, so this is him talking to the church. And, um, and so he's, you know, just calling it out. And, And so when, you know, we've had these conversations about, you know, this, how, you know, again, direct he is, um, it opens our eyes to seeing that, you know, Hey, I just can't, like you said, complacency. I just can't be complacent because he sees everything. It's like, when he's, he's like talking, I know your works. I, you know, he, he sees, you know, behind the, the, the physical things that we do the things the that facade. We, yeah. The, and what other people might see and all that kind of stuff, like, like, like the facade and, and he sees right. He sees right to the heart. And so for us, it's been, you know, very, very good because I think it helps give a great, this, especially these kind of passages from revelation help give a real balanced view of who God is and who Jesus is. I mean, he, when it says that he came to, you know, not to condemn the world, but to save it, but it's like, wait, but he is going to judge the world. And there is a point where right. there, there right. is going to be a judgment, you know? So it's, it's that balanced view of like, he came because he loved us in, in that, but there's also going to be a time to judge. And, and so that's where it's again, that eye-opening aspect that, you know, that we've had, even I have, it's like, even as I read these again, it's, it's powerful. I mean, it, it makes you, it makes you really think about those verses where it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know, you, you don't get complacent because you need to have this reverent fear and respect for God, you know, and then the holiness of him, because look at, look how these people drifted and or else either intentionally or indirectly, you know, drifted. But yet he's like, I see you, you know. So a lot of you who listen to this podcast lead groups or you're a part of a group and you're going to have this conversation about the church at Sardis. And the thing that just jumped out at me is what's what was true of the church at Sardis as far as being complacent and and having these activities, these things that they did that made them appear to be alive, uh, that um, caused them to have a rev- a reputation for being alive, but they're actually dead might be true of a lot of churches. And it might be true of some of the churches that we're in where we do the things that church does. We meet for worship. We have Bible study. We do, you know, uh, mission and ministry. And it looks like on the surface that we're alive and that we're active and that we're spiritually dynamic. And sometimes, sometimes churches are, a lot like Sardis they're they're we're just they're going, going through, through the, the motions. motions yeah yeah so um my well, it's, whole, easy. it's easy it's easy to see like like to me like this is a thing too the the connection that again I like to make but uh, we're we're trying to make with our boys it's like listen these people just because we're reading about this church you know 2000 years ago it doesn't mean I mean, we're like you said we can be so much like them and we are there are probably a lot of churches that are like that and it's like so it's like you can't just disconnect yourself from reading this passage like and just say okay that's what it, you know these, oh that poor church or that's these people it's like man i mean we're like you said we, we can be right there and maybe we don't even realize it you know so some of the questions that are asked um in our in our uh, personal study guides are things like so what are the symptoms of spiritual complacency or what does spiritual complacency look like so i think those are good questions I think those are good general questions to ask maybe before we start talking about 
maybe ways that our church is like the Church of Sardis, which we typically wait until the end to do. So there are some ways that we can talk about spiritual complacency that may get us moving in that direction of doing some self-evaluation as the church and as individuals. Chris, as I think about churches that I have done an interim at, for example, I've helped churches, and it's when I hear them talking about the churches, man, let me tell you about what the great program we had. And, and, and they, they're talking past tense about, and they, they, they were very likely great programs. Or uh, one church was talking about their great youth program they had and taking these kids on international mission trips and all that. And I'm looking at the church right now and going, literally, this church has one teenager. Wow. Uh, but it's that idea that we're kind of resting on the past. Well, we had such a great program there. Yeah, I, I wonder if Jesus is saying to those churches, like he says to Sardis, be alert, strengthen what remains. Now, don't just rest on your laurels or rest on the past. You got to move forward. Good word. Good All right. word. Well, let me just take us on to the verse three, as we talked about guarding against spiritual complacency. Uh, he's going to call us here just to maintain vigilance. Uh, he says here in verse three, remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. <laughs> if you are not alert, I will come like a thief and you will have no, you'll have no idea what time I will come upon you. So the thief in the night um, imagery is one that's used throughout the scripture uh, in, in a lot of different contexts, but it's that idea of, um, you know, the, the thief doesn't, warn you or call ahead and say, Hey, I'm coming tonight. Uh, it just happens. And, um, that's probably a good reminder for us is that, um, if we don't take care of business, if we don't correct our spiritual complacency, um, his, his judgment will come and catch us by surprise. I want to remember something too here that it's, we talk, we couch this in terms of, well, the Jesus has these words of conduct, commendation and, and often condemnation, I don't want us to see this just as condemnation because what Jesus says here, uh, as he says in verse three, he uses the word repent. You know, you've heard the word, keep it, repent. There is that idea that he's pointing out where our errors are with the idea of bringing us back to where we need to be with him. Good word. Good word. A couple of the questions that, that are connected to verse three um, that I that I th- that I thought were, would be helpful for our groups to have conversations about. First, what are some things we can do to keep our focus on Jesus? That's a good question. And what steps can we take to maintain to maintain spiritual alertness? So those are those are some good questions to uh, help us to uh, think through what what do we need to do to be spiritual alert. Well, Chris, let's just talk about that for a minute. I'll throw that question at both of you. What What are some things you do that, that helps you maintain spiritual alertness? Darren, I'll, def- I'll, I'll uh, def- defer to you first. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's one that's like, that's, that just popped in my mind like a minute ago. Um, and it was, and, it, and it's prayer. And one of the things that, that what popped into my mind was there was a time that when I was working on the design for uh, a Henry Blackaby uh, study, and it was called Fresh Encounters. And Chris, I don't know if you, if you I did, you did. Okay. That, I, I was the team leader for that. Yeah. We worked on that together. And I remember that we, we were in the section where, cause we were shooting photographs for the different um, uh, sessions throughout the study. And there was one talking about this and like how prayer. And one of the things I learned was how prayer is not, not 
so much like something you sit down and it's like a request, but it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a posture of being watchful, right? Uh, being, be, being observant. And that's why we took this picture literally of this guy looking out the window to represent prayer, because that was one of the key things is like how to be observant. And so to me, I thought that's always stood out to me is you were talking about being alert. It's like be in prayer. I mean, if you, you know, you want to be ready for Jesus's return, you want to be you know, all that, like what we're talking about. It's like be in prayer. Um, the more that you pray throughout the day, like meditating on words, God's word day and night, um, more that you do that, the more that, that, that then becomes just that natural communication. And therefore, I mean, you're not going to be caught off, caught off guard when he comes because you're kind of in tune with the spirit and the spirit's going to keep you. You won't even have to worry. Well, I won't say that. I mean, but you got to, you'll be in tune to where it's like, you know, when it happens, it happens. Right. You know, so I, I noticed connected to that. I noticed in my person, my personal life that, when I'm having those ongoing conversations with God, where it's just really natural to express myself to him and to listen to him are those times when I'm, when I'm most healthy spiritually, when it's just a natural progressive part of my life. So it's not a, Oh, I have to pray before I eat, or I have to pray first thing in the morning, or I have to pray last thing I did night, but it's just an ongoing thing. So that's one of the things, Lynn, that, that I, I, Great. That helps me to stay attuned uh, to that. I, you know, obviously, we 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 do Bible studies for life. We we believe that it's important that we're in the Word and that that uh, we give God the opportunity to speak to us through His Word. Uh, being involved in the church and being involved in 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 worship and being active participants in these things are all some of the things that we do to stay spiritually alert. Yeah, and I just. Uh... To our listeners, let's just talk a little bit how the, the sausage is made with our curriculum. You know, some people think, man, I wish I had a job like yours where you spend all your work day, all of it in God's <laughs> word, editing, writing, studying God's word. I just this is going to sound so unspiritual, but there is a, a sense of a drudgery to it. I mean, you got to you just got to keep your nose to it. But what happens with that, uh, Chris, is this is what I've discovered in my walk. It just becomes something I do. And but so I still have to have, even though I may be spending eight hours unpacking God's word for a Bible study for others, I always need to keep coming back and saying, God, what are you teaching me? Good. good. So I still have to have my, my first thing in the morning is I've got to get into the word. First thing I do. Uh, just me and a cup of coffee in the Bible, because I've got to get my head centered. God, what are you saying to me? And then I can jump in and do Bible studies for others. That's a good way to, to guard against complacency. Appreciate you saying that. So let's now look at the last section of this letter to the church in Sardis. I'm picking up in verse four. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not defiled their clothes, and they will walk with me in white because they are worthy. In the same way, the one who conquers will be dressed in white clothes, and I will never erase his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my father and before his angels. And then here comes that tag as he's put on all these letters. Let anyone who has ears to hear, listen to what the spirit says to the churches. So the, the imagery of, for first, I, th I found it humorous that it's like, oh, okay, but there are a few of you uh, who have stayed, who have stayed faithful. So that's good to know. And, and then he compliments them and he says to them, okay, you'll be dressed in white. And uh, our lesson writer did a good job of helping us understand that the worship 
the pagan worship at the time involved uh, uh, people dressing in white as a part of their uh, active participation um, in, in, in the worship of false gods. And he's saying to them, you need to be pure. You need to be dressed in white and continue to be um, the, that, that image of being, having their name permanently in the book of life. Uh, I think is a phrase that most people have heard. Uh, and, but it's a, that, that promise I'll, I'll never erase your name. And then that third point was that uh, he, if we acknowledge God, if we acknowledge Jesus before men, Jesus says, I'll acknowledge you before the father. And that reminded me of Matthew um, 10, 32 and 33, where Jesus said, therefore, everyone who will acknowledge me before others, I will acknowledge him before my father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny him before my father in heaven. So it, it just really aligns well with Jesus' words in the gospel, uh, what he had to say here. Sure. Yeah, that's a strong word. That's, that's really good. Um, I love too, like how in verse six, where it says, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, let anyone who hears or who has ears hear um, and listen to what the spirit says to the churches. And again, like kind of was talking about before, it's like, you know, so many times we can just re read the scriptures as like, hey, this is a, just a, a history lesson about like what happened to these churches back in the day. But I mean, this is, this is, he says, let anyone, that's us, you know, this is, and that's why, you know, you know, this is such a good read because, you know, obviously there's so much we can learn to avoid, you know, like we talked about complacency and going in these different directions, like the other, like in the letters to the other churches, um, we can, we have ears, we can listen to what the spirit is, is saying to the churches um, so that we can, you know, we can avoid those pitfalls and, and all those uh, problems that come along with this and um, that, that have been outlined here by, you know, Christ. And it's powerful. I mean, it's, it's relevant to today. I mean, we, like we've talked about, you can see how some of these things creep into the church today. So we just got to keep our ears open, right? That's exactly That's right. right. So again, questions that are good for us to think through and to maybe talk about in our groups. One that, that jumped out at me was, so what obstacles distract us from focusing on God? And then we've encouraged you throughout this study to ask, what are some ways our church is like the church at Sardis? So I think that, that there's the opportunity for some really good conversation for people to talk about um, some of the ways that we have become complacent and some things that we need to do to guard against that. Good deal. All right. So. This is the part of the show that we say thank you for listening to our podcast and for being a part, uh, participant with us. We're grateful for you. We do this for you. So thanks for being a part of it. Darren, thank you for being a part of our conversation today. And I'm going to ask you to help in one other way. Uh, one of the things we do at the end of our podcast is to have a word for those of you who are leaders or facilitators of groups. So we have a teaching tip. Uh, for you. And so uh, one of the things that we do at Lifeway um, is we, we try to train people who write for us, um, both lesson writers and then people who help us with teaching plans. We want people to understand that there are a wide variety of ways people learn. So there needs to be a wide variety of ways that we teach. And we, we've developed an, um, a, a, 
a kind of a handout for people to talk about eight ways that people learn. So Darren, I'd like for you to listen to this list. And as a creative, I'll be interested to know what are of, of these eight ways do you most do you learn best? And if when you teach, which of these tools do you use? So the, the eight ways people learn are relational. These are people persons, then they like to to share stories and to be in groups and talk and maybe share testimonies. The second one is verbal. So these are people who like to hear words and, and like to hear dialogue. And, and um, the third one is visual. Uh, these are people who, who um, learn best when they see images or a video or a poster. Um, reflective learners are people who just need to need a few moments to process what's going on. Uh, so that having some open-ended questions or uh, having a, an engage activity where there's a personal response is helpful to reflective learners. Logical learners are those who like to take notes and like for things to be um, uh a very kind of an outline or a word study, or they, they, they just like it for to be lo to, for it, the study to be logical and to have a flow. Physical learners, Lynn, is that kinetic? Is that the uh, term that's used? Yeah, a little physical bit. Learners? Physical learners, okay. they do well if, if they use their bodies. Okay. If they so, get to move around. Uh, so we see this a lot in kids and student ministry, but adults still learn that way so that it's to to be active to hands-on to make something or do something to create something um are, are the things that these people like best uh musical is another way people learn they they if they hear the words of songs or poetry or they listen to music it helps them or to sing a song it's helpful and then natural uh, is the last one it's to get out in creation and nature and reflect how nature connects uh, to these things so those are the eight ways people learn darren as a creative what are some of the things that are natural for you uh, as far as how you learn best well for me uh, especially on that list reflective is probably the most um, um, significant one that i think that stood out because it's a, for me, it's a matter of, I mean, you, you would think because I'm a designer, right? I, that it's a visual. I got to see a picture. I got to see a, <laughs> I got to see a flannel gram to, <laughs> to learn. But, uh, but to me, it's reflective because it kind of like what Lynn was saying um, earlier, like my favorite time of the day is when I sit down uh, before work, I get, I get up, you know, get, kind of get ready and everything, but sit down and, and spend some time with a cup of coffee at God's word. You know, I have a, I have a couple of devotions that I'm doing right now. And then, then I read, you know, a chapter or two um, in the Bible and, and then to sit and then just to be still because nobody's up yet and it's really quiet in the house. And so I can really focus and hear. And we talked about hearing. Um, I really like to be able to sit and just reflect on what I've read and then just, you know, pray and, just, and, and try to hear, you know, what, what God is saying to me through that. And, um, and then now that it's getting nice out. I'll do that reflective outside. I'll do it. I'll be outdoors and I'll go out on my front porch and do my reading on the, on the porch. And I love that too. That's always, that's, that's a big one because man, you, know, you talk about distractions. Like, you know, I got a bird feeder out here and a squirrel. It's, hey, squirrel, you know, <laughs> um, but go outside and just to see birds and um, just to hear the wind and, you know, that kind of stuff. It's like, to me, then that, that setting, that environment along with reflective just, to me is like one of my favorite things because I really feel like I connect. And then you translate that into teaching, you know, you might think, okay, do I have a bunch of posters or visuals and stuff? When I teach, I think the, the reflective one is actually really powerful with the, the senior um, 
high school senior guys that I teach, um, you know, I've had them for about this, my fourth year now, you know, reflective to where it's like, you know, all that reflective time throughout the week doing devotion and how God even shows me things to like to share with them during group. And then to lovingly like, you know, challenge them with something that maybe, you know, the guy gave me throughout the week and prep for the, you know, the class on Sunday. Um, and then just to like to be able to put it out there. Cause I feel like, you know, maybe this is something that God was wanting them to, to ponder or think about or whatever, and then let them reflect and then have that awkward silence to where there's like a few minutes of like, where I've just let it go where it's like, but they're, they're reflecting, they're Good. stirring. And then, and then it creates some great conversation. And then, you know, that's, that's one of my favorite ways to teach is just to kind of like put the stuff out there and then um, let people ponder and then come back. And then there's usually some pretty rich conversation or questions that come out of that. So Darren, so I'm, I'm a, a reflective learner too. And one thing I value in, in all of our books uh, for Bible studies for life, there's that engage activity. And sometimes it may be drawing, but it's writing or something. But I love that because for reflectives like us, it's just me in that book and, and I'm processing the information. And uh, I value that as a, as, a, as a group member. But to just encourage us when we're teaching, take advantage of that engage because you got folks, give them, a, give them that awkward silence and let them look at it and process it. And they'll, they'll really learn from that. All right, I got one for you. Here's here's an inside look into the BSFL DDG. Here's a little. Th I'll bet you none now of the let, listeners. Let me, let me clarify. The Bible studies for life, daily discipleship. Daily discipleship. See, there you go. Inside, we call it the DDG because it's daily discipleship guide. So we got to abbreviate. So here's the thing. When every um, so in the daily discipleship guide, there's daily devotions, um, and so it, it, with one of those, when we are we choose a visual, each one one of those throughout the week has a visual attached to it. Sure. And so the, um, the visuals there and this, and this is what we always try to do with the visuals is to pick something that's not so cliche or obvious that then can make you think a little bit deeper go, maybe go to a different level. Like why, you know, if it's not so obvious right off the bat that it's like, you think about it, but it always does relate to the content. Like Lynn was saying earlier, you know, it always works with <laughs> you know, hand in hand with the content, but it could be a, a visual that might be a little bit different than makes you think like, oh, it's like a different angle or aspect to maybe help you to go and reflect deeper or go deeper into like, you know, what the, the, the content's talking about. But even specifically within the DDG, there's a mirrored or a reflected image. The image is actually reflected or mirrored oh, wow. because that's kind of what we're trying to do with these, with the daily devotions is to you know, give you a little insight. Here's a passage. Here's the insight from the, the writer. And then there's usually a question there of an activity to kind of, you know, ponder, to reflect, to do. Um, and, but the whole idea is like, here, we're reflecting, you know, and so that's why we mirror the image because it's a reflection, right? That's wow. I'm, I'm impressed. So there's purpose. There's purpose behind all these things. So from the visual side, one of the things that we do in our, in our studies is to try to there's a discussion question, usually the first one, that connects to the question directly. So the, the image, a lot of the times, drives the conversation around the, the discussion question. So it's not just a question that's asked. There's an image that kind of leads people to think about something. And then we also create a leader's pack. Lynn, you want to talk a little, bit, a little bit about the leader's pack? We all work on it, but I'm going to let you talk about it. Sure. I mean, if you were with us a few weeks ago when Amber Vade was on, we, we talked some about the pack, but the pack has some posters in there that are designed to, uh, for visual purposes. And the ones we've had particularly for this study of 
the church God desires, I think have been really good because there's uh, there's been a map to show how these seven churches and seven cities, how they relate to one another. And there's uh, some things like that to draw you in, to help you as a uh, as the leader to lead a discussion, but you got the, the the image on the wall that helps drive the discussion. Or sometimes it's just the text, a, a big giant poster, but again, it drives the conversation. So and it gets, pe- gets people thinking in a different way. We also created handouts for this one that, kind of aligned with uh, the seven churches, the, the rebukes and the uh, the positive things that Jesus had to say. So we kind of list those. And then we also have um, a handout that helps to describe some of the uh, of the imagery that we find um, in in chapters two and three. So uh, so those are helpful for those those visual learners or for those verbal learners who it helps for them or the logical learners for them to see those things. So uh, we kind of went a long time there, but I hope that this has been helpful. Uh, one of the things that we all know, I think, by experience is we tend to teach in the same pattern that we that we the ways we were taught so we tend to tend toward lecture because that's what we have known and that's what we've grown up with and thinking about these eight uh ways that people learn hopefully will cause us to think about some different ways and different approaches we can take to teaching to keep in mind people that don't necessarily um wouldn't say lecture is my favorite thing. And most of us would say that. Most of us would say lecture is not my favorite thing to do, but then we that tends to be the default. So <laughs> think about other ways um, uh, to teach. So with that, we're done. We've gone over. So thank you for hanging around with us. Darren, thanks for being with us. It's always fun to have you with us. Lynn, thank you. But most of all, we thank you who are listeners. Thanks for being a part of this and hope that you'll plan on being with us next week as we talk about another one of the churches of Revelation. 